Welcome to the King's Crowd Startup Investing Podcast, keeping you in tune with the online private markets and empowering everyone to become a venture capitalist. I'm your host, Sean O'Reilly, King's Crowd CMO, and joining me is King's Crowd founder and CEO, Chris Lestrino. What is up, Chris? How's it going? I'm doing well, Sean. How about you? I am doing fantastic. Um, we had a new one yesterday, went off like a hitch. Katy Perry queued up a really nice fireworks show last <laughs> night. And uh, yeah, the sun is shining. We're, we're all, all's good here. You know, it's funny. I, I feel as though Katy Perry and the fireworks may have just made people forget about the entirety of the rest of the day. I mean, you finish like that, it's kind of hard to think about anything else. That's what, uh, so I had um, CNN on last night for the fireworks display, and they had David Axelrod on there. He's a regular host on there, and he was obviously part of the Obama administration. He was an advisor to Barack, and he knows Joe Biden really well, and he's like, you know, it's really fun to watch the, the inauguration and the celebration the day of the inauguration, but the next morning, it's like, oh, man, we got all this <laughs> stuff to do, and there's, oh, it's all man. on you at that point. And of course, back then, which lends itself to what we're talking about today is, um, you know, back then Obama had to get in there because we had the great recession. The stock market was crashing, the economy, the unemployment, like it was not a great situation. And um, ironically enough, kind of something similar going on right now, a little bit different. Instead of mortgages, it's a virus, but, you know, tomato, tomato, I guess. Um, but uh, today, the title of the podcast says it all, America has a new president. What does that mean for the online private markets? Um, Chris, so just for our listeners that don't fully know the, the legalities, I'm going to go through a few notes I took, if, if you don't mind. Um, the Jumpstart Our Business Startups Act, or the Jobs Act, um, just for our listeners, again, that do not uh, know about the history of the markets, is uh, it was a law intended to encourage funding of small businesses in the United States by easing the country's securities regulations. Obviously, during the 1930s, you know, up in the 20s and everything, there had been a bunch of uh, less than reputable companies raising money on, uh, on the stock markets. Um, I think it was JF Dad that was the first um, head of the SEC because he made a bunch of money doing some less than up and up things but uh anyway so it's hard it's not easy to raise money you have to raise money as a startup from reputable companies or uh, sorry accredited investors you have to be a reputable company you have to register all that good stuff um law in 2012 and title three of the jobs act which is mostly what we talk about on the show and in and and a king's crowd uh is called the crowdfunding act and it basically created a way for companies to use crowdfunding to issue both equity and even debt securities. Um, the reason is simple, as we all are probably aware, small and medium-sized businesses were and still are the backbone of the American economy. Um, I did want to know, though, Chris, you kind of got involved in all this because you started a blog. When did you first become aware that the Jobs Act was a thing and that they were making it basically possible for anybody to raise money from the crowd? You know, it was back in uh, 2014. Uh, I started working in management consulting as my first job, and I was spending the vast majority of my time doing private equity work. Um, and that's when I first started to see some of the cracks and challenges of traditional private equity. Um, and really, you know, two of the, the biggest issues that I was consistently seeing with whatever clients we were working with that were trying to sell their companies to uh, private equity shops was that 
there's very little access to good data in the private markets and there's very little access to private market deal flow unless you're a big private equity shop or something like that. Um, and so I was seeing all of these challenges with traditional private equity and the markets just seemed really inefficient. And I just kept thinking to myself more than anything, I was like, why can't I invest in these companies? Like just because I'm not rich doesn't mean I'm not intelligent enough to be able to do this. And so it was really with that notion that I Googled at work one day, why can't I invest in the private markets? And I learned about all these things that you're talking about now that, you know, the SEC had come in, they were trying to protect individual investors. They were trying to prevent, you know, the Wolf of Wall Street, right? Guys calling up and, and driving penny stock type things. They, they really were, they had good intentions, um, but the reality was what it ended up doing was boxing people out of the highest growth asset class that's out there, especially as the public markets have become more of this tool to, you know, go public once you're a billion dollar, five billion dollar plus. Company. Out. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. And so anyway, all of that led me to say, wait a second, why is this going on? Stumbled upon the Jobs Act and was like, OK, someone else is thinking about this like me. Um, and that really got the wheels rolling. And then I started Googling around, finding all these companies that were starting to come into the space. We funder Republic, you know, all the early goers. Um, and I was like, oh my God, this, this is the future. Not my job. My job is the old way, but this is the new way. Um, and I just got so excited about it. And it, it's kind of amazing because in 2014 and 2015, though the Jobs Act had been created in 2012, it wasn't enacted until 2016. So we were basically a bunch of lame ducks out there getting so excited about the market, but nothing was even occurring yet. We were all just like standing by watching and like, could you imagine the day this is possible? And here we are, you know, now four years later. Six, and seven years later. Yeah, that's awesome. It's incredible. What, yeah. um, you said something else really interesting just now. You said that, um, you know, not only are, are, are the traditional, the stock market, they're used to just cash people out, you know, like, you know, Uber, they just went IPO at a hundred billion or Pinterest or Snowflake right now. But um, also the, I want to know how big were the companies that your private equity job was looking at? Because you and I both know that, you know, I, I have a finance degree and they don't, Guys like me usually don't, they, they want to see cash flow. They want to see revenues. They want to see all that stuff. But that, that's great and that's fine. That makes sense. But there are a lot of businesses, a lot of ideas that you got to get off the ground before you can get to that point. And so there's this huge market that's starving for capital that couldn't get it really. Um, and I assume, I mean, how, big, how, how small was the smallest company you guys looked at when you were in private equity? Well, it's a great point. So, you know, in general, we would see company. So I think the smallest company I ever worked on was probably in the range of like five to 10 million in revenue, but they had gone from like, you know, a hundred thousand to five. That's million. so high. That's so, like compared to. It's hard, right? It's America. Hard. Yeah. Wait, so it will, no, but, but to your point, that's, you know, that doesn't happen to everybody, but a lot of the companies we work with, just to be clear, were in the hundreds of millions and, and some of them were in the billions of dollars. Um, so really kind of living that mid-market, as they call it. But you're right, for all those kind of early stage companies that are trying to get off the ground, you know, venture capital really only funds 1% of early stage companies. Most can't get the funding. And it's not because they're not quality, it's because they don't fit certain parameters or whatever that they're looking for. Or frankly, they're just not in the right geography. Um, and so there's a lot of businesses left out of it. And one of the other cool things, Sean, that I think the JOBS Act does, and probably one of the most exciting for this Biden administration, um, 
right in this moment in time is the fact that you don't only have to raise equity in this market, you can raise debt, you know, and the SBA lenders and the PPP loans, I mean, they are like tapping out, right? They are like completely and totally tapping out. Uh, they're doing everything they can, but they can't move fast enough. And if you think about platforms like Honeycomb Credit, or you go on WeFunder, or you go on SMBX, all of these platforms are providing rev share products that can work for the company and allow you to go to your local community and say, listen, we are starving right now. You know, we're, we're a bar that you were coming to for five years as you lived here and now we're closed and, and like we can't pay our employees. They could put out a rev share loan and when they come back, you know, they could pay off their bills right now. And when they come back, you'll start to get paid back until you get a certain time's return, which I think would be a really great tool for this moment in time. For sure. Um, right before we went on air, I found this support. It's a little bit old, but it's just about the companies that you're talking about, like the companies that don't have 10 million in revenue or 100 million in revenue, but that uh, they, they need capital. Um, you know, 90% of startups die, but they don't have to if they had a little bit of extra uh, runway. Um, so this is actually from 2017. It's a report from, uh, report from Deloitte, but it highlights why they first did the Jobs Act and why they did what they just did. And we'll get to that in a few minutes about the increase in what companies can raise. Um, Deloitte found that early stage companies are uh, experienced revenue growth that was nearly four times as high as your average company, had employment growth that was six times as high as your average uh, large you know, S&P 500 company. Um, three times as likely to have a product that's exported, um, three times as likely to be creating jobs, hence the Jobs Act. Uh, I don't think it's because it's a little bit of marketing on Congress's part, but, you know. Uh, and uh, two times as much revenue per employee because you're relying on these early stage uh, employees a little bit more. And so you start thinking about things that way, and it's like, we can't afford to not make sure these companies have the money they need. So yesterday I got an email, I, you know, the first one of the first two or three companies that raised capital on these platforms is Cleveland Whiskey. And I know we've talked about them before, um, but I just think there's such a wonderful story because they actually have done equity before. They're a high growth whiskey company. They're using technology to make the process much more efficient. I mean, it's really, really cool. But right out of my hometown of Cleveland, Ohio, I've got to plug it. Sorry. <laughs> exactly. Well, and here's the exciting part is right now they're, going through, you know, pretty transformational growth as a company. They are continuing to grow. A lot of their business came from stores rather than bars. So they're doing very, very well. And they're moving into a massive facility. And I got an investor update because I had to be a part of one of the first companies that raised capital, right? So I get this email and he has a picture of this huge factory wherever in Cleveland. I don't know exactly. Where is it? I'm going to the address after this. Hold on. <laughs> I'll have to send you the email. But um, they're moving into this huge facility and right now they're, they're raising the, the whiskey bond. And basically I think it's a five-year maturity note that pays a very nice interest rate. Or at the end, you literally will have the option to uh, convert it into you know, this special class of whiskey that they're creating. But oh. I mean, right now he's probably gonna create, I mean, I don't actually know, I haven't talked with him, but 20, 30 you know, new jobs in this massive new factory that they're building out. But how are they doing it by raising this capital on this bond? From the general public and from their own customers and i think they've already raised like half a million a million bucks right now it would probably really be hard to go out and get a loan for expansion in this market but now he can go to the you know his customers and say listen help us out let's grow this business and i, I just think sure that is, that is so much of what we need in this moment with covid and you know he's a business that's thriving but let's think about all the restaurants let's think about all the small bars and if you can invest in your your local company and help them out get them through this time period and give them a loan that actually works, right? Because if you get a loan and you have to start paying it back next month, 
guess what? They're still going to be out of business. But if you give them a loan and say, don't pay me back until you, until you start generating revenues again, now you can actually save that business. And maybe we can prevent the disaster that might come about, uh, you know, because of COVID to the small business ecosystem. Yes, it's funny. You, uh, so I, I found the article here. Um, I'm happy to say they're they're moving into they're renovating <laughs> they're renovating a neglected warehouse in the Cleveland Flats. So the Cuyahoga River comes in uh, off of Lake Erie into Cleveland. It zigzags in the lower area there. It's called the Flats. It's very industrial. It was rejuvenated in the '90s, and um, I remember my mom talking about her friends going up there. It's basically it was a bunch of bars and stuff, and now it's being rejuvenated once again because it kind of died like after 2000 or whatever. Um, but uh, they're increasing. I can't believe they're doing this, man. Because I remember when you and I met the founder for their their investor night. Uh, they had that warehouse on Cleveland State's campus, and it was just part of the warehouse. But um, uh, says they're taking up three floors of the warehouse and their production capacity is going to be increased 20 fold. That's a lot of jobs, let alone everything else that we're talking about. Um, I'm happy to say their uh, whiskey has now been distributed in 16 states and five different countries. Do you think they're going to send it? Hold on. Canada? Where else would they send whiskey to? It's <laughs> actually a pretty decent market for them. That's really cool. I know the Japanese love it too, but. Uh, yeah, they, they, yeah, that's awesome. They're putting $10 million into the building. Wow. Another $10 million into the equipment. Uh, that's awesome. I didn't know that. I'm going to actually have to reach out to the founder and uh, congratulate him once again. Uh, so bringing it back around, what do you think we should be expecting from this new administration? Because as we all know, when the... Jobs Act originally came out, signed into law by President Obama on the Rose Garden uh, in, in 2012, and then it slowly became legal. And in 2016, you'd been waiting over a year or two for this to, to, to become a reality. Uh, and it, it, was, it was a trickle at first. Let's, let's call a spade a spade. Slowly but surely, more and more people start to raise money online. I'm, I just saw, though, um, last week, I, we had 24 companies raised online. I remember when I first met you two years ago, it was probably 10 in a week. But a few of these companies have valuations of like 60, 70, 100 million dollars. I was like, whoa, like this is this isn't your dad's equity crowdfunding market anymore, your grandpa's equity crowdfunding market anymore. But um, they just increased it from a million dollars, which was originally put in place by the SEC to kind of protect people because they're still worried about the Jordan Belforts of the world doing something shady. They just increased it to $5 million because, as you said, I think on our first episode, how much fraud has there been? Zero. Yeah. It's really, really impressive that it hasn't happened. So do you think that we can expect anything else from the legal side of this market, from the uh, Biden administration, to keep making this more and more of a reality so that everybody can start investing in America again? Well, it's interesting because when we started out, right, the Obama administration said, we need to do this. We need to find a way to get funding to small businesses and get capital back into the markets. And so they created the Jobs Act. Um, and then, you know, we, we know under Trump, President Trump, um, he, you know, he really wanted to move away from a lot of the policies of Obama. However, despite that, he actually leaned into it as well. Um, and, and I think what we saw, and I know we've talked about this before, is that it actually is very much a bipartisan effort. It's one of those things where creating jobs and giving people a new asset class to invest in is actually a worthwhile effort that everyone seems to care about, 
And I think it's wonderful. And I don't think anything is going to change under Biden in that direction. So, you know, we just saw the new kind of harmonizing rules where they're going to raise the cap to 5 million on CF. Reg A plus is going to go up to 75 million. And they're actually trying to improve some of the actual processes of, uh, of CF and A plus. So I think we'll continue to see that improve. Now, to be honest with you, though, I think if things continue to improve over the next couple of years, we could see those regulations be moved even higher. You know, maybe we get to 10 million on CF and, you know. There was talk of that. I know there was. Do you think, um, what was the limit on uh, Reg A before? Do you recall? So it was basically 50 million was the top that you can go to and now it's 75 million. So there's a lot of startups people know about today. That's how they raise some of their money. Like it was a reggae raise, right? Yeah, when you got to series A, series B, as soon as you needed more than a million dollars, reggae kind of became the avenue to go. And now, you know, 5 million. So now you could be waiting until your series B, C or D to utilize reggae plus. Wow, that's a big deal. It's like, what what if Facebook didn't have to, or like any company for that matter, like it's a big deal. Just imagine, you know, an Uber or Lyft or a DoorDash just saying all their drivers want to invest 10 bucks in us and own a piece of equity. And then do it. I do it. I'm a rider. I would have loved to invest it in Uber. How many, how many Uber rides have you taken in your life? Yeah, it's like, you know, imagine how quickly they could have sold out their rounds and, you know, continue to raise capital. I mean, it's amazing to think about. But I think with, um, you know, the Biden administration, hopefully we'll continue to see those regulations improve. One of the things that I would really love to see is can the Biden administration make it even more mainstream? Is there a way by which, you know, I don't know, maybe this is a crazy idea, but at his, um, you know, when he has a, a speech where he's speaking to the entire country, can he say, hey, you know, we've been using this Jobs Act and this is a way to raise money, but, you know, just make it a more prominent part. Can it, can it somehow find its way into the COVID relief plan where they're saying this is actually a real channel for, for you know, reestablishing business growth in this country? Are there things that the government can do to instill excitement and get people buying into, um, you know, utilizing the Jobs Act and recognizing this as an avenue to continue to grow their businesses? And instead of just saying we're doing PPP loans, it's we're going to do PPP loans and we're also going to provide grants as part of if you go into a Jobs Act raise or you know, are there additional things they can do? And I hope they get creative. That's my hope for them. I don't know if it'll happen. That's how you get out of trouble. You get creative. That's what I think. What, um, are there any, so I'm not saying this is going to happen tomorrow, like there's no way, but how long or what laws are there that the Biden administration could maybe make it a little bit easier for someday me to log into my Fidelity or my Schwab or just my normal brokerage account? You know, you log in and look at your stocks and stuff and see my, equity crowdfunding, Reg CF or Reg A investments in there as well. So I think the big thing for any big institution to buy in and say they're going to allow this market to be adopted into their services, again, like you said, a Schwab or any one of those, um, I think what needs to happen is they need to see that while it's a startup market, there are ways to de-risk the startup market. And one of the things that I think will actually really help with that is allowing for funds to be built in this market. So right now doing like a non-accredited fund into the non-accredited space is really not allowed. And it's very challenging if you find ways to do it. So an ETF or what are you talking about? Like an ETF, like a VC fund, but for non-accredited to partake. And what we need to happen is that needs to become legal so that these big institutions can deploy a bunch of money into funds where we're saying, hey, you can invest in 100 companies at once. And they know that diversification drastically reduces risk. 
And once they see that the fund performs well and that you have large diversification can lead to good results, then they'll say, okay, we can move to the individual stocks. But I think it's going to be kind of a step where they say, what's the least risky thing we can do? Provide a fund with lots of diversification. If that goes well, then we can- Yeah, so it's kind of a no-brainer because it's way less risky than just putting your all eggs all in one basket. Um, yep. Well, you said also makes sense to me because uh, obviously Bitcoin and Ethereum and everything, they kind of went a little bit more mainstream when you had those uh, grayscale trusts come out. And um, but I think I just saw the Winklevoss twins. They have Gemini, the exchange, but I think they just created their own ETF. So, and that kind of normalized things a little. So once we have, you know, a bunch of ETF-esque funds floating around this space and utilizing King's Crowd data and ratings to, you know, make it more predictive and whatnot, well, then the institution will go, oh, wow, this kind of works. You know what? <laughs> we need to put some of our clients' money into this. And then once they start adopting it, it becomes more mainstream. Then they go, hey, you know what? Like, we want to beat the market. We want to get into individual deals. Well, okay. You know, and it'll kind of force the hands of these major institutions, but they're not going to move until they feel as good as they that's awesome. Uh, so if you're listening, Winklevoss Twins, Grayscale, give King's Crowd a call. Email <laughs> Chris at Kingscrowd.com, Sean at Kingscrowd.com. <laughs> um, so before we head out, Chris, you get the last word. Um, what's the coolest thing you've seen in the market, our market, the past week? Any wow. ways, a cool founder you talked to, anything? The coolest... Uh, you know, I, I wish that I, I wasn't boring, but I'm going to go back to that that email yesterday on the day of the inauguration to see uh, Cleveland Whiskey going and investing in this uh, this huge property. Um, you know, it just to me signaled everything that this. I got to plug them on our tweet of this episode now. <laughs> no, I, I, just, I just have to plug them now. <laughs> no, absolutely, but I, I just think it's so cool and and such a you know. The past nine months have been really hard. A lot of people are really struggling. Business is really struggling. Main Street America is really struggling. And this, this new marketplace of, of opportunity where you can invest and, and back these companies and help them and help them grow and, and often you know feel the success that they go through when, when they have their highs. Um, all of that is what this market is about and seeing them being able to open up a factory and we're going through this transitional period um, I, I just think it, it reflects everything that we're trying to do and everything we're trying to support in this space. So, um, you know, I love talking to founders every day, uh, but I think seeing that was just a, a really nice, you know, we talked to so many digital companies to see an actual, you know, massive building being set up to bring in jobs and, you know, being a city like Cleveland, I, I think it's a wonderful story and exactly what we want to see more of. Awesome. Uh, all right. Well, I'll see you on the virtual staff meeting later, Chris. Thanks for your time. Sounds great. Thanks, Sean. All righty. And that is it for us, folks. If you'd like to learn more about King's Crowd Radiant Analytics, please visit us at kingscrowd.com or email us at podcasts at kingscrowd.com. For Chris Lestrino, I'm Sean O'Reilly. Thanks for listening.